Good morning, church. It is a blessing to be together here today. If you're visiting with us, you are a welcome guest. Thank you so much for taking the time out on this beautiful Sunday morning, this dreary Sunday morning to show up here. There's a lot of places that you could be. You could be at Starbucks this morning enjoying a cup of coffee. You could be at home still sleeping uh, this morning. You might be at home doing the whole Netflix veg thing because there's the latest and greatest season that, that you love, that your spouse doesn't love, so you have to get in the time that you really enjoy that one. But you chose to be here, and hopefully by the time we're finished, and I'm not just talking about finished with the service, but finished with our fellowship luncheon because you're going to stay for our fellowship luncheon, um, that you will say to yourself, man, I made a great decision today and I'm going to choose to make that decision next week. And hopefully, hopefully next week we'll be blessed to see you once again. It is good to be together here today. Amen? Amen. Let's do it one more time. It is good to be together here today. Amen? Amen? It is just so good to be with God's people. It's so good to be together. And, and as was echoed, that guys group connection event was a blast. It was so much fun. But guys and ladies, it's not just about one-time events. We are a community of people growing in deeper community and commitment to looking more like Jesus. And seeing our community, that is Alliance, that is Canton, that is Salem, that is like Northeastern Ohio up in Manaway. Can I get somebody amen that one? Anybody? There it is. Fantastic. Because this church pulls from a lot of different places. I was talking with Seth Johnson and Seth and, and a, a group of people. They've started gathering on a Sunday night. And there was a few of them to start. Last week I was checking in with them. I was just talking about how everything's going. They're having this Bible study. They're working through the book of James. There were 24 people. And Jesus said, the gates of hell will not be able to stand against this confession. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Church, we are leaning into a mission. And we believe that the Spirit is leading that mission. With that said, we need to jump into our sermon for the day, so if you would, let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for your church. Thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Father, for the opportunity to gather together. And God, we do not take it for granted. I know that some people here this morning, um, they've been working a ton. And they're just thankful that they have a Sunday off where they can be here with your church. Father, for others, we're coming into this gathering and, and we're looking for encouragement because this last week, the last few months, they've been rough. And, and God, we need a reminder of your truth. Father, for others of us, we've been lonely this week. We haven't seen a lot of people. And this is an opportunity for us to connect with people that just pick us up, that inspire us, that motivate us, that encourage us to live as you have called us to live. Father, that remind us that our life isn't just this blip, this map dot on, on this planet, but that you have invited us to eternity. And Father, you have invited us to make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. God, this morning, it is our prayer as we continue a sermon series about our mouth that you would give our hearts a reminder of just how important this tool, this vehicle is 
Father, that from the mouth flows life and death, healing and destruction. And God, that each of us would be pricked and consider, consider the message from today. Father, be with me as I present your message. May I not get in the way of your perfect word. God, if there is anything of me, let it be blown away like the chaff, but the things that are of you, the things that are pure, lovely, true, right, and holy, God, may those things stick to the hearts of everyone who is gathered here today. And Father, may we apply the teaching that we hear and be blessed because of it. Lord, we love you so much. It is in your Son's precious and holy name we pray, and the whole church said, Amen. So, to kick things off in this second segment of the sermon series, Watch Your Mouth, I want us just to meditate on a portion of text from a guy that knew Jesus for a very long time. This guy's really interesting. He didn't initially believe that Jesus was the Son of God, and he didn't believe because he knew Jesus as a brother. We're going to look at a, a passage. I'm going to work through a passage here at the beginning. I, I just want, to, I want you to keep your eyes on the screen because James offers a metaphor for the topic of the tongue, the topic of the mouth. And, and you can go to your Bible and you can open this up. I would encourage you just to jot down the portion of text that we're going to be working through. It's in, it's in James chapter 3. James chapter 3. But for this portion, I, I want you just to Watch the screen. Here's what James says. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Whoo! Isn't that powerful? And, and you have control of that every single day. Leading into this sermon, I, I spent some time researching the metaphor that, that James uses. Did you know that 90% of forest fires, yeah, uh, Smokey the Bear was right. You too can prevent forest fires. Like you can do it because 90% of forest fires, they're caused by humans. 90%. Less, less than 11% less than are, are, are caused by lightning strikes or, or, or weird things happening just by nature. 90% are, are caused. Last year, 10 million acres were burned in the United States. 10 million acres were burned. In the last three years, 25 million acres of country have been burned by forest, forest fires. In, in 2015, $1 billion was spent to recoup losses from forest fires. And then... These fires, they get so big, they start off small. If you, if you remember that first picture that flashed up on the screen, it, it was just a, a smoldering fire. There's a little ember that was still lit. And then it turns into something like this. And when it turns into something like this, it actually can change the weather by itself. Forest fires that get this large 
can have hurricane-like winds. They can blow up to 120 miles an hour, changing the weather in that part of the country. And that wind that's being circulated from that fire can start to preheat the objects in its path, creating more fuel for the fire to be self-sustaining. If you're paying careful attention, you notice that through those pictures there was a woman carrying a handful of stuff, and one of the things she was carrying was a picture. That was the last object that she had from the forest fire of her son who was lost overseas in Iraq. And James says, Oh, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Your tongue, it's like that little ember. And you have seen it, maybe in your own life, but most certainly in other people's lives, how their tongue gets them into trouble, how their mouth gets them into trouble. They, they start speaking before they really start thinking. Or maybe, maybe they're, they're very cognizant of, of what they're saying, but nevertheless, the earth is scorched. Relationships are gone. I wonder, just think in your own mind, I, I can't imagine there would be any statistical evidence that, that could offer us insight into this, but I wonder how many marriages would still exist if men and women learned how to control their tongue. I wonder how many relationships between mothers and fathers towards their kids would be different if one side or both sides learned how to control their tongue. I wonder what would happen in our world if world leaders would control their mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's in our lips. And James says, you have it. And then James will later go on to say, listen, no man can control the tongue. No single man can control the tongue. You've seen people, they're very self-controlled. They grit their teeth. They're able at times and maybe most of the time to control it. But then that moment comes and, and all of a sudden it's just gone. It's lost. They, they feel that inter internal pressure building up. And so uh, you've been there with, with probably, probably a spouse or a loved one, someone that you care about. They, they, they're saying something, they're saying something, they're saying something. And you feel that internal pressure gauge start to rise deep inside of you. And, and, and then it just comes like, right up to your throat and it's just like tickling you right here so you feel like you have to say something and you keep telling yourself don't say it don't say it it's not gonna help don't say it don't say it don't 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 okay I just gotta say it and then you say it and then you see the face on the other end of that vomit that verbal garbage that you just spit out there
and fire. And you've watched how conversations that were meant to be small, all of a sudden they start to spiral, just like a large fire. In and of itself, it becomes self-sustaining. You have said something, now they feel like they need to say something, and then someone else gets involved. Oh, and when someone else gets involved, all of a sudden they say something, and it kind of twisted what you were trying to say, so you try to clarify, but in the process of trying to clarify, you go and you overextend, and then when you say that, their feelings get hurt. Destruction, brokenness, and heartache, lost relationships, ugly memories, and pain. One of, uh, one of the greatest comedians, uh, uh, he, he made a reference, he said... Uh, Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words, words will make me curl up in a ball for hours and cry. And it's true. Such, such a small thing creates such deep pain. And, and, and I know this is like the way we started things out, it's completely different than last week. We were kind of joking around and everything was light. But, but guys, as I was praying this last week and I was leading into this lesson, it, it, man, this is just such such important stuff for us to catch. And so, what do we do? We asked this question last week, what do we do? And what is interesting is, as I was looking into how wildfires happen, as I was looking into what do they do in the midst of these scenarios, some of you know this, some of you guys have a fire background. When there is a fire and it's out in the woods, the grass will actually lie down and point to where it came from. And so you can trace it back, 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 back to where it originated. And with our words, Jesus, the brother of James, says you can actually track your words back to a root. And when you address the root, then you can address the issue. Just like if the vast majority of people would take Smokey the Bear seriously, we would have less burned acreage in the United States. If we took Jesus seriously, we would have less broken relationships in the United States. And Jesus says... In Luke chapter 6, he says, he uses a different metaphor. He's going to jump off the fire illustration, and, and he, he uses the illustration of, of a tree. Here's what he says, Luke chapter 6. I'd love for you to follow along. Starting in verse 43, he says the following, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from bramble bushes. Now, come on, you guys know this. This is not new news to you. No one's writing down that as an insight from Scripture because you knew that. You don't go up to an apple tree and expect to find thorns on the apple tree. And so Jesus says there's good fruit, there's fruit that we enjoy, and there's fruit that we don't enjoy. There are good trees and there are bad trees. Following? Give me a nod. Okay, all right, I thought it wasn't complicated. Just wanted to make sure. He continues, verse 45. Here's the way he parallels this text. The good person, 
like a good tree, out of the good treasure he's pulling from somewhere, the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have you ever had that moment where, where you say something and someone gets really offended and, and you think to yourself, like, that's not typically my behavior? And then you, then you try, desperately, you try, you say, I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that came from. I do. I know. And the reason I know is because the Bible tells me so. It flows out of something deep inside of you. Jesus offers us that at the center, at the generator, At the initial ignition and lighting of that fire, it stems from your heart. And Jesus says, okay, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so eventually you can't control it anymore and it just flows out of you. Grumbling flows out of you because you have a grumbling heart. Slander flows out of you because you have a slanderous heart. It's great that you're able to control it sometimes, but the issue is that when your colors really shine through, when you really get ticked off, when someone really bothers you, when they've gone too far, out of that point, your heart will reveal itself through your lips. And that's when the cursing comes out. And, and, and that's when the, the resentful words come out because you've been harboring and harboring and harboring. And this is, this is what Jesus really leans into. He says that out of the good person, their good treasure, they bring forth good fruit. That idea of treasure is that you are collecting things in your heart. Going back to the illustration that I've used before. You remember in Lord of the Rings, there's a character that has a ring. And when he loses that ring, he nearly obsesses. My precious... He gets a hold of this treasure and it changes him. Every single one of us is a hoarder of the heart. Every single person in this room hoards things in the center of their being. In Jewish thought, this came from the heart. For us, we know that it's really getting into the, the centered person. It's, it's, it's flowing out of, out of who we really are. And so what do you hold on to? In the storage units of your heart, what have you started to collect? What do you hold as valuable? Work with me. What are the memories that you hold on to? 
What are the things that you cherish and value? Because when those values fall apart or those memories get hit, all of a sudden what happens? It flows where? To our mouth, to our tongue. And so all of us have triggered somebody because we have done something and we didn't know it. We were stepping in a minefield and we didn't realize it. But we triggered somebody's daddy's issues. And all of a sudden they blow up. Because it's been stored in the heart and it hasn't been addressed. We trigger behavior that they've deemed acceptable because we've, we've stepped on some values of theirs. And when you step over those values, then in my heart that allows me to say certain things or do certain things, speak to you in a certain way, because you are no longer the image bearer of God. You're just an object in my way. So Jesus offers us this illustration. Good people are people, listen to me, are people who store up good things in their heart. Bad people are people that store up bad things in their heart. And then in the moment of trouble, that treasure comes rushing through them. What they've stored comes rushing through them and overflows from the release valve called your yapper. This is where it comes from. But for those of us who, who have, have, man, we, we have been in the church, we've been around the church, we know the brokenness and depravity of man. Who's good? No one's good except for the Father. Come on, let's know. We know this. Come on. When we start thinking about a good God who is perfect, none of us is perfect. And so all of us, every single one of us, we live in this reality where sometimes we're storing up good things. We're, we're setting our mind on good things. And other times we're holding on to negative things. That person said X, Y, and Z, and I'm not, I don't even feel comfortable saying in church what they said to me because it wasn't very Christian. But I'm holding on to it. I remember the word that they said to me. And man, it really ticked me off. And I'm just holding on to it, holding on to it, holding on to it. And this is our experience in life. And then as in Ezekiel. The, the prophet Ezekiel says that God declares over the people that there's coming a day when God is going to offer to renew, give you a new heart. And that new heart is meant to be guarded. Solomon, an, an ancient Israelite king, knows this reality. He knows how important it is to guard something that's precious, something that has been perfected, something that is treasured. And he realized even before Ezekiel's prophecy came true that in the flesh, in the flesh, all of us store up something. We have storage unit upon storage unit upon storage unit of things, of memories of dad and mom and aunt and uncle and congregational experiences. We have storage unit upon storage unit of things from our past, things that we've seen, things that we've heard, things that we've done. And it flows somewhere. And so Solomon, 
in Proverbs chapter 4, speaking to his son, tries to give his son, like any great parent would, the best advice. And he says the following, starting in verse 23. He says, guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the spring of life. Guard your heart above all things. Put a guardrail around your heart. Because out of your heart flows life and death. The springs of life come from your core. You can address the behavioral modification, but guys, that's too small of a thing. You have to guard your heart. If you do not guard your heart, eventually your mouth will reveal what's hidden in your heart. And so just like guardrails that keep you from falling off into peril, let's talk about practically some guardrails for your Life, Because here's one thing I know about you, regardless of whether you believe in Jesus as the Son of God or you don't. You do not want to destroy your relationships. You don't want to be the person that blows up a job because you couldn't shut up. You don't want to be the person who blows up your relationship with your son or your daughter because you were just a negative Nancy. Or... Or a vicious victor. And you did not do the difficult work of guarding the heart. So, as we begin to turn this sermon, I want to offer some questions that will help us guard our heart. And the first one is this. Who has reign over your heart? Who has reign over your heart? I mentioned that Ezekiel passage. If you give God your heart, then God has promised that he will make it good. He will make it good. You are in the process of being sanctified. But a lot of us have not given God our complete heart. Some of us, you know, we're kind of in the decision-making process of that. But others of us who claim to be believers... We are actively in a battle with the Spirit of who actually has control over our heart. I need somebody. Bill, can you come here, man? Now, don't, don't sit. Real, real quick, um, I know that, that Bill and I, we, we have like the same physique and... Um, you know, if, if, if we were to throw bows and get in a fight, that it would be close. I mean, it would be a close one. It would be a lot closer than the NBA finals were. Um, <laughs> but but let's, let's just assume, let's just assume in this scenario that Bill is a lot stronger than me. Let's just assume. Pretend. And we're going to pretend to the concern 
and fear of his wife and his daughters that he is God. And I am me. Bill, you want to grab this chair? Just pick it up. Bill, take the chair. Go ahead and take the chair, man. I'm surrendering the chair to you, Bill. Take the chair. Go ahead, man. Pull it. Now, see, here's, here's the thing that I know about Bill. Bill, in, in our pretend scenario where Bill's stronger than me, Bill refuses to strip this chair out of my hands. You know why? Because Bill is relationally considerate. And for a lot of us, we're in the tug of war with God over our heart. And so we've said, hey, you know what, God? You take the chair. Go ahead, take the chair. God, take the chair. Just let, let go of the chair. And then we might, we might even let go of it for a little bit, but then it's like... <laughs> Always fighting for control. Go ahead and sit down. When God has control... He can sit on the throne of our life, making the decisions, look at me, making the decisions that a king rightfully deserves. Because he is king. But God, I know some of you would love, you think you'd love him just to make you a robot. He will hold on, but he is not going to bend you, break you into submission. You know why? Because that's not love. Ladies and gentlemen, if you had someone that you cared about and you wanted to get married to them, and you had to force them into a marriage by threatening, like you're just going to threaten them. And then you, you beat them into submission. We don't call that love even in our society. We call that abuse. That's domestic violence. And so in this, in this moment, God, God says, listen, Who has control over your heart? Because whoever has control over your heart, and the more you let go of that thing, the more it will flow out into your speech. Because when he's planted here, what flows from God's spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But he has to be planted here. Who has reign over your heart? I really want you to think about this. And I want you to give a percentage to it. This is going to be fun. You're going to love this exercise. When you think about your life, are you completely surrendered? It's like, God, you're sitting on the throne. Bill, stand back up. 
Are you the person that's, go ahead and grab that other side. Is it like, you know, it's kind of 50-50? Is it like, like this is your relationship with God right now? Like you're just trying to kick him off there and you're trying your best? Or maybe, go ahead, you want to hold that for me? Thank you, let go of that. Or maybe this is you and you, you haven't even given God control. Never given God control. You're still holding on to your life. Write out a percentage and think about that for a little bit. First question, who has reign over your heart? The second question that I want you to consider is what are you collecting in your heart? What am I, let's personalize it, what am I collecting in my heart? And just for, just for some fun, I wanted to give some examples of, of some, some things that we might collect in our heart. Uh, songs, movies, video clips, social media vegging and reading. This could include memories that we have that we just store up. So let's, let's start to think about what are some of your favorite songs to listen to that you jam out to? Like you got the classics, right? The classics in your mind, whatever the classics are. Maybe for you it's, it's Garth Brooks. Like you're like, oh, those are the classics. Like that dude could sing, like, you know, low places. And you just kind of go right into it and you just, you know, it. for you maybe it's Shania Twain. Man, I feel like a woman. You're just like, woo, Shania, she's, she's the real deal. For you, maybe it was ACDC, I won't even go there. And so you just kind of, you got your favorites. But guys, the songs that you place in your head are a treasure. And so many of us went years treasuring songs up in our heart and wondering why we couldn't be submissive to God. Let's, let's just do this for fun. I'm on the highway to hell. Highway to hell. Yeah, let's sing that song. This makes a whole bunch of sense, church. Let's sing that song on our way, and then let's, let's rock to it on our way to church, and then when Doug gets up to lead the songs, we're going to sing, the, what, what? I'm marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. I'm... Whole bunch of new people marching on to Zion. Yeah, so... I mean, it just doesn't make sense. The movies and the, the videos that you watch. I can't tell you how, how many, oh, oh, Lord. I can't tell you how many people I've, I've sat down and they're like, yo, Game of Thrones is such, such good, good, good series. There's a whole lot of nudity. A lot of graphic violence in there. But man, such a good series. I don't know if I'd let my kids watch it. It might be a little bit too much for them. Such a good series. And then they play like, like it's not even, it's making any difference there. Or the way we view sexuality, the way we view relationships. There are people in Hollywood getting paid millions of dollars to psychologically consider how to tap into your heart. Yet, 
it might be a great storyline, but what other seeds are being planted in your heart? What other things are you starting to treasure up in your heart? Video clips that you, you watch online. Or, or here's a great one. On Facebook, you do the whole social media vegging. You're like, it, it's, it's, the, it's the eternal scrolling. You know, you've gotten to that point in your day where you're just like... <laughs> and then you come and you complain to people. Oh, the negativity on Facebook. It's terrible. And you've spent hours in your week listening to that. Does that make any sense to anybody else? Like, am I, I mean, like, come on, guys. Reading. What you read, I, 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 I love, because um, every so often I'll, I'll get blessed in a conversation where I'll, I'll be chatting with a couple. And so he, 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 will, he will defend, um, like, his pornography, and she'll, she'll bash that. And then he brings up that she's got certain books that she reads. And it's, it's, yeah, it's in black and white, but the, like the front of the cover has like some dude that, I mean, he's, he's muscled. His shirt's unbuttoned a little bit. And he's kind of giving one of those smoldering looks. And he's kind of standing like this, like, maybe he's riding like a unicorn with a... <laughs> sword in his right arm like and then she'll defend it as different than the pornography you're storing up things every single day I was chatting with a uh, a brother in the church uh, and I told him there are things from my teenage years that they're still in my head. And every so often they'll pop up. And they're not God-honoring, but they're just there. Why, why are they there? Because at some point my heart decided that was worth going in the storage unit. And just being around that opened things up. The relationships that you have, teenagers, young adults senior citizens, the relationships that you have, the people that are in your life, you're storing things. And it could be to your sanctification or it could be to your destruction. And I'm not saying it happens right away. Remember, bad company corrupts good morals. It, it doesn't say that it destroys good morals it says that it corrupts good morals it's kind of like the rust on your car it's slowly eroding your morals away and if if we could get one thing straight this is not a new thing 
So don't blame the Democrats or the Republicans or the Millennials or the hippies from the 60s. Don't blame your mom, your dad, your cousin, your nephew, your niece. Don't blame Hollywood. This stuff has always been around. It's just changing in its delivery. You have to guard your heart. Because if you don't, your life will end up in a ditch. And what will happen is out of your heart, you'll start speaking things. And it will make sense to you, but it will be corrupt. And you will justify it, but it will be distorted. Your life will be a literal Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And this has happened so much in the church. Because we have just enough connection. Where at certain moments we put on our face or we know how to behave and then in our private moments we store away. So here's the question that I want you to consider. This week I will guard my heart how? This week I will guard my heart how? To guard my heart this week I want you to make a commitment. I will, and then I want you to fill in this blank. I want you to bust out your smartphone. I want you to grab that bulletin that you, you got on your way in. I want you to reach over and steal the bulletin from the person sitting next to you if they're not using it. And I want you to answer this question. I will guard my heart this week. How? How? To guard my heart this week, I will, and then you just fill in that blank. Are you going to change the music that you're listening to? Do you need to change the music that you're listening to? Do you need to change your approach to social media? Because garbage in, garbage out. You sit there and you veg. And then you complain about it being negative, but everybody's just looking at you and they're like, man, you're just so negative. The movies that you watch, the series that you watch, the things that you take in. Maybe, maybe that's what's holding you back from looking more like God. And you're doing the tug of war with God in your heart. You need to answer this. Because if not, remember how I said it's great that you're here and I was honored and all that stuff. Really, if you don't answer this, if you don't fill in that blank, I, man, I, I just wonder how much blessing you've received from coming here today if you don't take the word of God and to do something with it I just maybe you just should have went to Starbucks or you know it's just there's there, there has to be application now before we do like the whole come stand and sing and go on with the rest of our day and have the fellowship meal I want just for a second to talk to those of you who have a direct connection to children or grandkids, nieces, and nephews. Because here's a truth that you have to accept. What you take in and what you allow will become treasure in your child's heart. If you let it on your TV, they're storing up things. And you've seen it. My son has a YouTube subscription and it is to baby joy joy 
Baby Joy Joy comes on, and he hears it. Baby Joy Joy, and he goes, baby. And he just, I mean, he, listen, we're having to dial this thing back because he's becoming a little addict on this thing. Like he just, he gets obsessive about it. And some of you have seen that with your kids. There's videos that they watch. There's things that you watch and they pick up on. And sometimes you're caught red-handed when one of your kids or grandkids or the kids in your life, they're like, wow, that's not really nice. And you're like, you're right, I should change the channel. (laughs) Or all of a sudden they walk in, you notice how much cussing is actually in the video. How much condescending, cutting, slanderous speech is there. And you just don't, you, it, it's like we become more aware. It's like, I don't want that in them because we think of them as innocent. At one point, your heart was innocent. What happened to your heart? So I want you to fill a, a second one. You have extra homework. This isn't extra credit. You have extra homework, okay? It's not bonus points. You don't get more, you know, gold in heaven it, it, this is this is because you want to live faithfully before God and you care about the kids in your life I want you to do the second one to guard my kids heart this week I will and then I want you to fill in that blank you're going to actively stop watching something you're going to act actively consider the music that you listen to in the car because the world is going to do its job to try to fill them. We shouldn't help them. Because the heart matters. And when it comes to our mouth, when it comes to our tongue, it really is the heart of the matter. 